0: At the end of the day, Jesus calls for us to love him and prioritize him first over everything else. He doesn't say, well, I'm really important, but make sure that, you you know, you're fed well. Or, oh, I'm really important, but make sure your AC is working or that your Wi-Fi router is really good. Or make sure, you know, c- come to me, but make sure you got your Netflix and, you know, your ESPN right. Plus and Disney Plus. Make sure all those subscriptions are paid for first. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to really helping you learn to think for yourself. On Tuesdays, we spend some time in the Bible um, learning about what God says about who we are and what the world should be. And then on Thursdays, we tend to spend time talking about how that applies to the real world uh, real world um, this week we are actually blessed to kind of do both of those things in one stint here on this Tuesday with our upcoming preacher for the week uh, Mr. Zach Peak um, he is the son of the salty pastor so he's uh, salt light light salt <laughs> iodized salt I'm not entirely sure but let's welcome Zach Peak how are you Zach
0: I'm doing good. It's good to be here, Jesse. And I guess I'm, yeah. Am I kosher salt? Kosher salt. It there it is. That's good. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so
1: um, you're coming up uh, this week to to preach, and we're still in our Get Up and Go series, um, all about really activating your faith. You're not meant to just be passive and sitting around doing nothing with it, but actually get up and do something with it. So um, what's exciting you about this series? I think you're you're preaching for the next two weeks, right? So you've got yeah. two weeks to impress upon <laughs> everyone what you want to say.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I've got two weeks in a row, which I don't think I've done before. So that's kind of exciting. And then I also. After that, my dad's doing one, but then I'm right back at it. So okay. I'm doing out he's, of the
1: next. He's a relief weeks, hitting for you, so you can prep yeah. and then do another. Yeah, week.
0: so I'm doing three out of four. So if uh, you have any vacations to take, this is a great time. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> get out of town! No, uh, I'm really excited about it because it's a lot about application, and it's a lot of it's a lot of one-week uh, kind of topics. A lot of the time what we do is we'll do longer series. So we'll kind of build over three, four, or even six weeks to, you know, build on points and keep on going forward with what was discussed last week. And the difference of with get up and go is it's all connected, but it's connected just by saying, here's little things you can apply. And so it's a little bit more, uh, each one stands on their own a little bit better. And so I'm really excited about that because I think I'm going to be able to have a little bit more freedom and really be able to dive into some application. And like you said, talking about getting up and being active with our faith, as opposed to passive with
1: it. Well, and what I think is really fun about this series, and I don't think it was intentional when we planned it out, but it's working out this way is, not only are we getting all three of you, Pastor Doug and Pastor Harv on the Salty Pastor, but also in the sermons, and each of you has different strengths when you preach and things that you like to focus on, so this series that has so much variety is also giving us variety in yeah. in speaking styles, and focuses, and so it's it's kind of like a grab bag of things that you can learn over the summer while you're out and about and experiencing life. So. Let's talk about, let's move on to kind of what you wanted to focus on this week. Um, what are we talking about?
0: Well, the first week uh, that I'm up, uh, we're going to talk about something that is one of the most passive areas of people's faith in our country and in our culture. And I think it's one of the areas what I'm going to talk about is we can be some of the most active people here. And that's with being generous. Uh, I'm I'm going to be talking about the story of the rich young ruler that we find in Mark chapter 10. We'll dive into that in just a second, but it really strikes me how, when I, when I talk with people and I talk with friends, when I read the news or, or see what's going on in the world, whenever people think of wealth, they tend to think of people like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, professional athletes, Elon Musk. There's all these big names that when you hear about rich or you hear about wealthy, that's who we think of in our country. That's who we call rich when really. And, and I might be able to bring some of this up uh, in, in my sermon, but the Washington Post uh, a couple of years ago put out this income percentile calculator mm. that shows you based on how much money your household makes, what percentile of income are you in America and the world? And the fact is that 90 percent of Americans are above average compared to the rest of the world. You well, know, when, when we look at wealth we are the the rich people. We are what the rest of the world looks at as wealthy and rich. So I'm excited to dive into the rich young ruler story and talk about how we can be generous and how we really are the rich young ruler. Because when you look back at the income distribution back in biblical times, and you look at the income distribution of our country compared to the rest of the world, there's no way around it. We are the wealthy. And so what lessons can we take and how can we learn from Jesus to be more generous with our time, with our money, and make our faith active in that specific way?
1: Well, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I know that Pastor Doug and Pastor Harve hit on this quite a bit. They talk about, you know, we're, we are some of the most affluent times in, in the world right now. Um, and our country, very specifically, is one of the most affluent as far as wealth. But I think you know, you look around and you're like, "Oh, well, I'm not really that well off." But then it's like it takes you almost going on a mission trip to really solidify in your brain, "Oh, no, I'm good. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want for much." And so, yeah, um, it's it's pretty impressive. And I think sometimes that that mindset's hard to see when we're in the daily grind and we're we're going from day to day and even just looking at our life compared to other people in our lives, we, we kind of lose track of, Hey, we, we're not too bad off. In fact, we're very well off. And so, uh, Well, and,
0: and like you said, that's part of it is who we're around in our lives. We're in a culture that says, you know, more is never quite enough. And our culture is what, when it's, when people talk about the wealthy in our culture, They're not talking about the average person in America. They're talking about people who make millions or even billions of dollars or have that much wealth. And that's the culture that we live in. And that's what our culture tells us. And what I really want to try to do with this message is talk about being generous and encouraging people to be generous the way that Jesus asks us to be, it tells us to be. And I want to help inspire them by showing us and just talking about some facts and statistics of how wealthy we really are. You know, our country isn't just one of the most affluent societies ever from top to bottom. It's probably the most affluent country in the history of the world. And that's incredible. And it's an amazing thing. And, you know, one thing we'll talk about with the rich young ruler story is that's not something that we need to feel negatively about. And I don't think that's what Jesus calls us to think about ourselves is to think, oh, no, you know, we live in a wealthy place. This is a bad thing. It's, It's not that it should be viewed as a negative but there is a perspective that he preaches, and it's found in the text that we're going to get jump to here in a minute. And that's what we want to get after, is the perspective. Uh, in Philippians 4.12, Paul says that he has found the secret to life. He knows how to be content with little and content with much. And Paul was definitely the kind of person, when you look at his history and background, where he could have been pretty wealthy at points, or he could have had a pretty decent amount of money, you know, for, for back in those days. At certain points in his life, but he talks about this secret to living and what we want to try to talk about with being generous is what is this secret that Paul found and what can we take from the rich young ruler? We're going to jump into Matthew a little bit too. One thing I love to do when I preach is jump around and bring in lots of different scriptures and show how they can connect and what we can learn from all of them. Uh, But our main one, again, is going to be in Mark chapter 10. It's going to be the story of the rich young ruler. And we're going to be looking and saying, what can we take from this? What is Jesus saying? Not just about being generous, but what should our perspective about the fact that we live in one of the wealthiest countries ever be? And how can we move forward and have active faith with that?
1: So why don't we jump into the text? Do you want to read it or do uh, do you want me to do it?
0: Uh, I can jump in. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll start with it. It starts in, uh, we're going to do the version in Mark because there's a piece in Mark. There, uh, You know, there's three different versions of it. There's one in Matthew, one in Mark, and one in Luke. I like the Mark one because there's a specific verse, verse 21. Uh, we'll get there soon enough. <laughs> but he, he, Mark throws in a little detail that I think is going to be really good for us living in such a wealthy society to know. Uh, but I'll jump in now. We're starting in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 17.
1: What version and it are, starts, you, which translation oh, what are you using? What translation are you using, just if anybody's following along? At
0: <laughs> I'm going to be using NIV. That's okay. a good point. A lot of different translations. I am in the NIV, the Okay. Little NIV. So starting in verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Uh, What I like about the start right here is Jesus starts by challenging this young man that's run up to him. Jesus has been doing his ministry. He's made a name for himself. And so this man comes up to him and asks him a pretty pertinent question. What do I do to inherit this eternal life you've spoken of? But Jesus immediately challenges him. He doesn't just answer him right away. He says, well, why do you call me the good one? You know, no one is good but God alone. And then he continues on. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And he comes back with a very confident answer. (laughs) He says, (laughs) teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And here's the verse. He's just laying it out there. He's
1: like, "Oh, I've got that portion. It's all done."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which I'm like, okay, I might believe you on the murder part. Like, (laughs) you know, that one's that one's not too hard to uh, to not break. But you know, and adultery, sure, you shall not steal. Getting a little bit if you're, you shall not give false testimony. or lie. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that one stuff. You shall not defraud, and then honor your father and mother. I'm pretty sure that I broke that last one when I was like six months old. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, but this guy, I like, I like his confidence, you know, he's got some confidence and he says, all these I have kept since I was a boy And verse 21, I think is really important and it's really powerful for what we're going to be talking about, about being generous and given the culture that we've grown up in. And, you know, most of us have lived our entire lives in Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And and I want to stop and pause here and, and hit up a couple really important parts. First off, Mark notes that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I think that's really important and it's really powerful here because this man, obviously, we can see it in the, you know, just from being outside observers. And then we also, you know, have years and years of, you know, growing up in a Christian culture. Maybe you're new to the church and you don't know it as well. But uh, for people who've grown up in the church for a long time, they've probably heard this passage before. But it's so, so important that he looks at him and loves him. We from the outside can see that he is in this place that is flawed. Oh, I've kept all these commandments since I was a boy. I'm, I'm all good on all these things. He's coming in pretty confident, even maybe a little bit cocky, but Jesus looks at him and loves him anyway. Jesus looks at him and sees, look, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to, you know, tear him apart. I mean, how do, how do we look at the rich in America today? I see a lot of things on the news that are very negative, they ask, right. you know, why aren't the rich doing more? Why aren't they paying their fair share? Why are they exploiting workers? And whether or not these uh, perspectives and attacks and questions and accusations are right or wrong, the tone in them is usually not loving. But what is Jesus, a man who is a carpenter and now is living on the road and is a nomad for the most <laughs> part, who doesn't have any possessions? What does he say to this man who's rich? He doesn't accuse him. He doesn't doesn't try to hate him. He doesn't answer him with vitriol or anger, which he, he answers the Pharisees with that. So it's not like it's something Jesus never does, right. but this man in particular, Jesus looks at him and he loves him. But even through that loving, what does he do? He challenges him. He challenges him in a way that, you know, we see is very, very difficult for the young man. You know, he says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. So I think it's important to recognize that when we try to start being generous, when we recognize that we've been in a culture that has always looked at material wealth as so, so important and says that you never have enough and looks at you and says, even though you're one of the wealthiest people on the globe, you're not wealthy enough. When we recognize that we've been grown up in that culture, it doesn't need to inspire hate. It doesn't need to inspire anger. It doesn't need to inspire shame or guilt for ourselves or for those around us. Jesus looked at this man and loved him. But then there is that second part where he challenges him. He says, go and sell everything you own. Now, you know, there's an important part I want to hit up here. Jesus is not saying that everybody in America needs to go and sell every possession they have. Your
1: salvation is not based on your ability to go sell (laughs) off all of your things is what you're saying. Yeah,
0: I mean – That'd be kind of cool to, to see happen. <laughs> it'd right. be pretty interesting. Uh, I took a, a lot of economics courses in my undergrad, so It'd be pretty interesting to see how that <laughs> would uh, how that change a lot of things. But, but I think the important thing to recognize here is the heart that Jesus is going after is not purely based on the possessions. And we'll see why in these next couple of verses. We're going to pick back up in verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went his way sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So originally as like a Christian and somebody who, you know, when you recognize that you live in one of the wealthiest societies in the world and that you yourself are, if you, again, if you're an American and you've lived here more than a couple of years, you are most likely rich. That's kind of a scary verse to read. It's right. harder, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. But I think it's important that we look. At what jesus is trying to say here he's talking about how difficult it is to get into heaven and why is it well there's a couple things first he finishes the disciples ask who can be saved and he finishes in verse 27 by saying with man this is impossible but not with god with god all things are possible so first even though he gives paints a pretty bleak picture for us of wow as a wealthy person it's extraordinarily difficult to achieve the kingdom of heaven and to, you know, be part of Jesus's kingdom, to have a relationship with him. It's not impossible because with God, all things are possible. Right. But there's also other versions of this story. Like I said earlier, there's versions in Luke and there's versions in Matthew. And it's important to recognize that in those versions, Jesus doesn't just say, go sell everything you own. He says, and even in Mark, he says one thing you lack or in other versions, he'll say, what would make you perfect right and i think what's important to take away from these is this young man was really really attached to his possession occasion is it'd be a lot easier for somebody like peter and peter actually talks with jesus more in the story we're not going to focus on that part uh with the sermon but for, for this, we can talk about how Peter afterwards talks with Jesus and converses and the implications. It's a lot easier for Peter, for these other disciples to kind of give up what they had because they had so little compared to this man who had so much. And, and there is something to be said for that. You know, it, In America, even though we're so wealthy, how much greed is there in our country? There's so much greed and there's so much desire for more and more and more. And people want more and more and more money. And it's all about money all the time. It's never really about anything else. And that's what it was for this rich young man is you can see for throughout the whole text, he's trying to keep score with things. Everything is a ledger for him. Oh, this commandment, I've kept it. Check this commandment. I'm doing well. Check. And so as he walks through all these things, he's looking at this almost as a scorecard. And even his first question It's not Jesus, how do I get to know you more? It's not Jesus, how do I come to you and follow you? His first question is, how do I get the kingdom of heaven? How do I inherit eternal life? And I think that's what's so important here to recognize, is that a whole lot of this is perspective. I don't think Jesus here is advocating for pure asceticism. And asceticism, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is the idea that material possessions are evil and having them at all corrupts you and leads to sin, uh, St. Francis of Assisi was an ascetic. And so he sold everything he owned and he had, he had no possessions at all. He lived on the charity of others as he went and did his ministry and he had nothing. That's what asceticism is about. And I don't think Jesus was preaching pure asceticism here. I think because pure asceticism still focuses on material possessions. It just says, don't have any. Right our culture focuses on material possessions says has have all of them but really why in philippians 4 12 does paul say that he's found the secret to life that he can be content in much and in little well it's because of what jesus is challenging the rich young man here with this rich young man walked away from jesus and why did he do that because he didn't want to sell his possessions and so when we focus on being generous this week When we talk about being inspired to give and to follow God and to be more generous with our money and with our time, with our effort and with our work, when we talk about being generous with those things to follow God, what we're talking about is the fact that there's an attitude that these things that we talk about, whether it be our time, whether it be our money, whatever it may be, are more important than God.
1: Well, and I think it comes down to, like, I'm sure you're going to expound upon is it's what are you putting ahead of God? What are you not willing to relinquish more than it's not that God needs your money? I mean, I did Financial Peace University recently, and he talked, and Dave Ramsey talks about this. I've heard Pastor Doug talk about this. A lot of wise people, some of the wisest people I know, I'll talk about this. It's not about, you know, tithing or generosity is not about, well, this person needs your stuff or God needs your money, because that's not the truth. It's about, what are you holding on to so tight that's keeping you from being able to have a closer relationship with God and for rich people or people with wealth, usually it's that thing That's the thing that they're like, well I've worked so hard for this I don't want to give it up but then people who are truly generous they realize once they open that hand up and they start giving out, that's the only way new things can come in, really, and it's, it's the only way you can really create connection, a closer connection with God. Am I, am I yeah. stealing some of your thunder? Is this some of the idea?
0: <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's great, and, and that's what I really want to try to drive home is that when we prioritize something over God, and like you said, when we hold on so tightly to that, what else are we missing out on? And at the end of the day, Jesus calls for us to love him and prioritize him first over everything else he doesn't say well i'm really important but make sure that you you know you're fed well or oh i'm really important but make sure your ac is working or that your wi-fi router is really good or make sure you know come to me but make sure you got your netflix and you know your espn plus and disney plus make sure all those subscriptions are paid for first he doesn't say that he says come to me and i think what what happens is you know in our country we get challenged and people say and our culture tells us you need more you know Every, everything, every decision that culture tells you to make is is pretty much pushing you to have more and more wealth. Why do people want to change, you know, what our government's doing? Well, they want to change tax policy or they want to change who's getting money to make people wealthy and make themselves wealthy. Maybe. Why do people say to go to college so you can get a good job and have money? Why do people say, oh, well, don't go to college, start a business so you can make money. Almost every decision in our culture is driven By money. And, and this isn't to say that it's not, I mean, I went to college, I'm pretty happy about it. But if every decision we make is all about money, then we're not making decisions based on God. And that's where you get into that point where you were talking about where we grip our hands so tightly around things that we don't have any room for God in our hearts. This is why Jesus says to store up your treasures in heaven, and not on earth. And this is why Paul says he's content with great and with little, because there's going to be times when we have a lot and times where we don't have much. And we need to accept that.
1: And I think that word content is really the key phrase in that, because Pastor Harv, he just finished his three weeks of preaching, and the last week was on decision-making. And last week on The Salty Pastor, we talked about decision-making. He said, part of your decision-making has to be needs versus wants, and then having contentment over what you have. And I think that's the biggest thing we, we lack is, well, I, you're like you said, we're constantly pushing for more, 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 more. There's never any drive culturally or anywhere in our lives for the most part outside of what the Bible teaches us to say, hey, be okay with what you have. Like, you know, and when you're, when you're okay with what you have, when new stuff comes in or goes away, you're, there's no emotional attachment to that. It's just I have what I have, and I'm okay with that. And that allows you to have that deeper connection because it's no longer well. You know, I'd, I'd like to go to that small group, but I really need to go to work, so I'm going to go do that. And that's, it, things get in your way when you start prioritizing that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, in in so many parts of the New Testament, we are called to live by the Spirit of God to To be in constant communion and community with the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and to make decisions with God, and when you're bringing money into those equations, it's really hard to, you know, make a decision based both on God and on money. It's usually a pretty exclusive thing. And again, I I don't want to sit here and advocate that you know money is a worthless thing or that money is something we should totally and completely ignore. I mean, again, I I got a lot of economics in my undergrad and then in my graduate studies. And I don't think it's ill-advised to go out there into, you know, if a businessman has a service, if you're a businessman or a businesswoman and you have a service and you are doing well, I don't think that's something we need to look at negatively. And I I don't want to advocate for that. But what I do want to advocate for is saying that will never and should never be as important as God. Mm. And so if we're truly prioritizing God, then why would we not be generous to him with our money and with our time and with our lives? Because to say, well, God is my priority, but I'm going to, I'm not going to give to him. That doesn't make any sense because he calls for us to tithe and not just not, not to tithe for him. Not so he has money, not so he has gold or whatever, but because that money goes and because as a church and a community, we support each other. Right. How can we be part of a community? There's so much here. How can we be part of a community if we're not being generous with each other? And that's what the church is supposed to be, is a community. How can we truly be prioritizing God and prioritizing the people in our lives if we're focused more on keeping money for ourselves than being generous with them? Or again, I I don't wanna just talk about being generous with money, although it's critically important, but also being generous with our time. Right. Being generous with our lives is the end of it. And at the end of the day, I don't see how we can decide to be against that and prioritize God.
1: Well, and it's, I don't think there's a way it comes down to the, what's the condition of your heart, right? Like, are you, is your heart open and you're like, okay, I am, I am pouring forth, or are you closing it off and, and, and not allowing that generosity to flow? Like you have to make a decision on what you're who you're putting first in your life. And, and you know, the, the, god's call to tithe or to serve is not about again like you said it's not about the money or the thing it's about developing a discipline and saying you told me to do this you are number one in my life so i'm going to do this because this doesn't matter to me as much as you do and that's what you've asked me to do and so it's it's the condition of your heart it's a discipline right yeah
0: exactly and that's at the end of the day you know like all things with with god he gives us the power and he gives us the ability to make that decision. He says look you can you can follow me kind of and hold on to your things or you can come to me and live the life the way i have set before you and that's it's a lot it's a lot more of an adventure. It's right. a lot more of you know ups and downs will happen and you're you're never fully sure and you're not in control but but he is, and it's a it's also a question of trust. There's so much around being generous, beyond just money, beyond just time, really being generous with our lives and being generous with our priorities. And in a lot of ways, it's a way for us to give control to God. Because if we are trying to hold on to all these things, if we're trying to control our time, if we're trying to control our money, if we're trying to control our relationships, if we're trying to control you know too much who we hang out with. And I'm not advocating for not having discernment, but I am advocating for saying in some situations, God is going to ask us to have relationships that might be a little tough for us. He's going to ask us to give up our time. When time gets, you know, short, he's going to ask us to give when we feel like we don't have that much to give. And these things are all going to happen to us. And they're all opportunities for us to say, where am I? Am I going to be someone who follows God completely? who has my heart surrendered to him? Or am I going to try to follow a couple different paths? And it doesn't work that way with God. We don't follow multiple paths with him. We follow him and he walks us down a place. And so this essence of generosity and giving is an amazing way for us to have active faith, because once you start giving, whether it be with just your time or just your money or just your relationships, you can start giving in more and more areas of your life. You know, you can start with your time and then do money. You can start with money and then do time and then do relationships. And whatever order you go in, the important thing, like you said, is having that heart of generosity. Mm -hmm. Because to be generous, we have to be in contact with the Lord to say, what is it you want from me? That involves giving up control, which is a really difficult thing for us to do a lot of the time.
1: Well, and it's it's another thing about trust as well, right? Like by giving up that control you're giving your trust into God's gonna take care of my needs and what I need. Similar to, you know, Abraham was called to sacrifice Isaac. Again, we're not advocating you go and sacrifice your children, but it Please was Please
0: don't. Please do not take <laughs> that away from the podcast.
1: <laughs> but what it came down to was Isaac was his favorite only son. It was his pri- it was his most prized possession. And the story of the of, of the rich young ruler was what do you value more than god that's the thing you need to give up and abraham was called to say hey you know you care about him more than you care about me are you willing to sacrifice him and when he was going to do this god stopped him and said hey you, you've shown your you've shown your your heart to me you don't need to do this anymore and that's basically what this rich young ruler was called to do was are you willing to give up the thing you prize the most in the world to be generous and put me first, and he wasn't. He 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 hung his head in shame and he walked away. He wasn't willing to do that. And so it's all about what's the condition of your heart. What are you are you willing to trust that if you give this thing up, you're gonna be okay, no matter how attached to it you are. Are you're gonna be okay because God's got you? Yeah.
0: No, exactly. You know, I as I think we're getting ready to wind down a little we bit. We are. Uh, I think we've been close to about. About 30 minutes. I never know. I'm very bad at giving <laughs> time. <But laughs> That's what I'm here for. Great. Uh, but I do want to to kind of end then with, with one thought for everyone to think about as they get ready to uh, listen again on Thursday and then uh, listen on Sunday. What could God take away from you right now? What could God ask you to take away that you would not be willing to? Mm. Because at the end of the day, that doesn't mean you're going to want to there's times where God is going to ask us to do things or to give things up or to participate in something that we can dread at times. You know, there, there's a, in, in this Acts, the book of Acts, Paul is getting ready to go to Jerusalem after he's been away for years. And he knows that something bad is going to happen once he gets there. And he's really, really excited. And all the other believers talk to him and try to talk to him out of it. He's like, no, I am going. And That's not how it's always going to be for us. We're not always going to be really gung-ho and really excited and like, yeah, let's go get this. God asked me to do this, and it's going to suck, and I'm excited. It's not (laughs) going to be like that all the time. There's going to be times where we're going to be like, the Spirit asked me to do this. I'm going to really, really try. I'm going to see if there's any other way around. I'm going to see if there's any loopholes. We're going to go to God. We're going to do some legal analysis of what he's asked us to do and be like, well, God, have you considered this? (laughs) Have you considered this? And we're going to try to do all these different things and say, I don't want this to happen. And that's okay. But at the end of the day, are we going to follow him? there's going to be times where we as humans dread it because we cannot see what he sees. and We don't know what he knows. But the important thing is to realize it's okay for us to dread it. It's okay for us to not want it to happen. But if God asks us to give something up or if God asks us to do something, are we going to follow him? And I think that's the one of the best things we can take away from the story of the rich young ruler is if God did ask you to give up everything, would you be able to or would you hold on to it and turn your back on it?
1: Well, and we even see that, um, just as a final point, it's not even, Jesus do, even does that in the garden. He goes and prays multiple times. If there's any other options, please <laughs> let me have, out of this. Like, have I, we thought about this enough? <laughs> have we? Like. So it's like, it's not that Jesus didn't have his own things of like, I really don't want to do this. But he does that even in the garden. He ends up, you know, pouring blood from his pores over it, how stressed out he is about it. But he still does it. And it's like, that's the thing, is he still does it. And so it's yeah. not that Jesus was like, nah, I don't have anything big, you know, I'm just <laughs> fine with it. Like he he has those same things. It's not an expectation that we're not going to have our reservations about it. It's just whether we're willing to do it. So we just really appreciate you joining us um, today on the podcast, Zach. We're excited to hear you on Sunday. Please turn in, uh, tune in. We're continuing our, our sub-series of What in the Sam Hill on Thursday. So um, Pastor Doug has those um, kind of breakdowns of key philosophies and theories that we discuss a lot on this podcast that you can kind of catch up and get a deep, in-depth analysis without having to go back and listen to 50 hours of content to uh, try to catch up. So make sure you tune in for that. And then obviously on Sunday, tune in to hear uh, Zach talk about more of the Rich or Young Ruler and how we can apply that and activate our faith. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Thursday here on The Salty Pastor.
0: Thanks, Jesse. Bye, everybody.